Hey, welcome to New River Church's podcast. We're really glad you decided to join us today. We pray that this message blesses you and encourages you. If you're looking for some more information about New River Church, just look us up at newriverchurch.org. Well, praise God. It's, uh, it's good to be with you today. Um, and uh, thank you, worship team, for that really good time of, of praise and worship, for leading us in that. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ my king what a beautiful name it is nothing compares to this what a beautiful name it is the name of jesus what a powerful name it is what a powerful name it is the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing, nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. We bless that name this morning. We bless you, Jesus. We surrender everything to you right now in this preaching moment for your word to come forth. Our hearts are open. We make agreement with you. We want you. So we say yes to your beautiful name. Now come, Holy Spirit. Come like a rushing wind. Come like never before. We ask it in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Ooh, I got loud. Hey. <laughs> uh, praise God. Today we're going to be uh, looking at the gift of gratitude. And we're going to be um, taking a look over in the book of Acts, chapter 16. And I'm reading from the NLT version uh, we're starting at verse 16, so you can follow along. Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 16, the gift, the gift of gratitude. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned, actually that's the wrong verse, she earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned around and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it instantly left her. I think she was happy. I, I believe she was happy that she didn't have that weight 
of being constantly annoyed by this spirit. But verse 19 says, her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Then they were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon. That's like under the jail. Like, he put them so far inside that they weren't getting out. And clamped their feet in the stocks. Verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake And the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the other prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him. And with all who lived in his household, even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed. The gift of gratitude. Gratitude is is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's good to say thanks. Um, It's hard to say say thanks when you feel like you're in prison. It's easy for ingratitude to come up, isn't it? I mean, we get the context of the story. This This is Luke that's writing this account. This is the same Luke that wrote the Gospel of Luke. And he's talking about what was going on while he was with Paul and Silas and a few others on Paul's journey into Philippi. And uh, isn't it always the way that you can be just minding your own business? They were going to a place of prayer, minding their own business. And this female slave, who had been oppressed, demonized, just kept following them, trying to 
to, to add scandal to what they were doing and preaching the gospel. Paul just trying to do the right thing. I mean, he had already been commissioned by Jesus. I mean, Jesus had already told his disciples uh, several times, you know, proclaim the gospel, preach the good news, cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. Freely you've received, freely give. He's doing a good thing by setting her free. But he ends up in prison, he and Silas. You be minding your own business, trying to do the right thing. I don't know if anybody knows about just trying to do the right thing. You're just trying to live life. And then all of a sudden, you feel trapped. You feel like, you feel like you're, 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 you're in chains. You feel like you've been, you've been put in bondage and, and in the, the innermost part of the prison. I don't know what that's like uh, for you. Maybe it's some form of job or relationship and you feel trapped. Uh, maybe it's, it's something that's been going on in your family and you feel like you just have no other recourse. You just, I've, all I was doing was minding my own business. All I was doing was trying to do the right thing. I think a lot of us might even feel that way after these past 20 months. Look, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for all this turmoil, all this upheaval, all the stuff that's been going on in the world. I'm just trying to do the right thing. And then all of a sudden, I feel trapped. All of a sudden, I'm in prison. What do you do? How do you get yourself out of that? I can't. I'm bound. I can't get myself out of this. This stinks. And you're thinking to yourself, what did I do to deserve it? This mentality that, you know, that bad things happen when you do something bad. Yeah, we, we expect that if we do something wrong, then something bad is going to happen. We don't expect that when we're doing a good thing, something bad can happen. We don't know how to process it. I'll tell you, uh, if we go to the next one, um, this is where ingratitude starts. Ingratitude starts when we're asking that question, why me? We, we, we see the circumstances and we can't see God in the midst of it. We, we, we experience what we're in, but we can't see God in the middle of it. And, and, and it, this passage right here that is up on the screen from Romans 121, in Romans chapter 1, Paul is actually talking about the reason why God's wrath is going to come on the wicked. Paul is talking about, you know, they've seen God's goodness, but they suppress the truth of God. And because they suppress the truth of God, because they've been not acknowledging him, they don't worship him. They knew God. They know that he's real, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. This is one of the worst parts of ingratitude. It keeps us looking at stuff that doesn't matter. 
stuff that is small. Ingratitude is like this. God's goodness is revealed. We can all see. You woke up this morning. Everybody go like this. <sighs> yeah, that was God. Yeah, that was God. You, you can't do that. You can't do that. The breath that you have, God gave it. Right? How many of us wake up and we're thankful for breath, though? You know, it's, it's not often that we wake up and we say, God, thank you, I can breathe. Maybe if you've had COPD and you've been dealing with this and you take breathalyzer treatments and you're like, wow, this morning I'm breathing better. Thank you, Lord. But when you feel good, it's hard. to see. You don't think about it. And then there are times when, when we start feeling bad, like when you first got the COPD and you're having the difficulty breathing. You're like, God, why? I wasn't doing anything. I don't deserve this. Ingratitude comes. And what happens with that ingratitude is that there's no worship in that bad feeling. I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show you, not, I'm not saying that, that, that we are wicked. I'm saying this is how we act wicked. This is how we line up with the wicked. Paul is talking about the wicked that are going to incur judgment. But there are times when we as believers can act just like those that don't believe in God. And it happens when we embrace this attitude of ingratitude. What happens is, is, is we say, we say uh, uh, go back, please. We say, I'm not going to worship because I'm in a bad space. <laughs> what a beautiful name it is. <laughs> Your face doesn't know. And there's ingratitude. And what happens is with that ingratitude comes a distorted picture of God. God did this to me. It's his fault. I'm going through this. Woke up this morning. Why are you still in this bed? Talking to my wife. Not me. <laughs> example, an example. But you, you go to work and you're saying, man, I can't stand this job. This job stinks. You don't worship. It's not like that's not worship. There's, that's ingratitude. Hey, listen, I've gone to jobs that I didn't like to, and I've done the same thing. And you have all this ingratitude, and then you get this distorted picture of God, and you're like, God, you, you did this. Maybe you don't say it with your mouth. Come on, you know. You're not going to speak it out loud. God, how come this hasn't happened in my life? I'm supposed to be, I'm this, I'm this age and I'm supposed to be over here now. Everybody that I know is over here and I'm still over here. What are you doing? I've been praying. You haven't answered. God did this. He's, he's not a good God. Don't tell me about, I believe in the goodness of God. No, I don't. And maybe you don't say that with your mouth. And then there's confusion that comes. Well, what am I going to do next? And the confusion comes, James talks about it. James talks about the confusion. The confusion is double-mindedness. That's what he calls it. 
You ask God for something, but then you doubt that he's going to do it because of what you've experienced and how you look at it. So you're having a bad experience and you're praying, but you don't believe for what you're praying for because you're in a bad place and you're feeling sad. And you haven't really embraced that. I feel sad and there's some stuff I'm going through and I need some help. So this happened to me when I was, uh, when I was 12. I got saved at nine. Um, at 12 years old, three years later, my dad, 49 years old, he dies in the house a couple weeks before Christmas. So that Christmas, we didn't have dad. It was a very sad Christmas. Um, my mom loved my dad, just like the rest of us. My dad was a man's man. Um, he did everything. He did everything for my mom. So what do you do when everything dies? She didn't know what to do. So she has two boys, my brother and me, he's older, and we're trying to fill in the best we can. But guess what? We don't know what to do either. Over the years, what I saw was a woman who was confronted with a choice in a bad situation. She felt chained. She felt imprisoned. She felt like she didn't deserve any of this. I did too. I was so ungrateful about what was going on. I actually, you know, Father's Day, I was mad at my friends that were like, yeah, I gotta go buy my dad a present. I'm like, you stupid, man, you have a dad. Get your dad the world. My dad is gone. You know, that's the way I would think. I wasn't, I wasn't grateful. I was like, man, this, this stinks, man. How come everybody else has a dad and I don't? And um, when I graduated high school, I was like, man, my dad's not here. Graduated college, man, dad's not here. When I got married, I was like, man, my dad's not going to be able to see me. There was a lot of ingratitude. And in all of it, I was thinking, well, God did this. You know what was really crazy is that I never, I never said out of my mouth, you know, I wasn't like, you know, with my face all scrunched up like I've been sucking on lemons. I wasn't like this saying, God, you did this. But in my heart, my heart was doing that. I don't know if anybody can relate, but you know, you really kind of know what I'm talking about because there are a lot of things that you might say in church that sound really churchy. But in your heart, you feel something different. I know I'm looking at some real people that go through real stuff. Everything doesn't feel good. So sometimes when we come in here and we sing songs, we don't feel this, the lyric. That's just real. But this is what happened. Ingratitude gra uh, gratitude grabbed my attention. Gratitude grabbed my attention. I started going through a process and I was talking to people. The more I told my story to the right people, people that actually had a word that could encourage me, the more I started hearing 
the Lord. I was thankful for my dad. So I started thanking God for my dad. I started thanking God for the time that I had with him. And I'm, I noticed something in the story of my mom. Over the years, my mom started out, she was a mess. She didn't know what to do. Over the years, she came across this thing. Even though she was a Christian, she came across this real novel idea in Christianity. It's brand new called prayer. And she started, she started praying, man. And let me tell you something. My mom, she was not the prayer in the house, right? That was my dad's job, right? Mom would pray, but dad would pray, right? So mom took over. Like, mom went beyond dad in this area to the point where I, when I was a teenager, how many people been a, been a teenager before? If you don't raise your hand, you're just lying. But uh, some of you, not all of you. But um, as a teenager, you know what you want to do as a teenager. You want to go out and you want to do. You want to do your thing with nobody seeing you. And so I would try and sneak out, right? My mom would be in her bedroom. And it's not late, but I'm trying to sneak out. The reason why I'm trying to sneak out is because I don't want her to pray for me. Because every time she would pray for me before I went out, I would have a terrible night. It would be horrible. I would try and ask girls for their number and they wouldn't give them to me. And I was like, this is terrible. Mom, pray for me. But when I, I realized later on in my life, when I needed mom, when I was in college and I was struggling, and I called my mom, because I knew mom would pray for me. And what I realized later in life, this is after I got married, I'm older, my mom had passed on, and I'm like, there was an epiphany where, where God just came and it just, I redefined, my attention was grabbed. I redefined the past with the Lord. Like, wait a second. Yeah, that was bad. I felt sad when dad died. But if dad hadn't died, mom wouldn't have had to have tried to do everything. And she wouldn't have not known what to do. And she wouldn't have gone to God in prayer because she didn't know what to do. And then when she went to God in prayer, she became a prayer warrior. And then when I needed her, she prayed for me. And I look back on the past and I said, wow, that was terrible what happened to dad. I loved him. But look at what happened to mom and how she impacted me. Joseph did the same thing in Genesis 50, verse 20. His brothers came to him after he had had a dream earlier on. Over a decade before, Joseph had had a dream, and he, he knew that he was going to be a ruler. He knew he was going to be somebody important, and his brothers sold him into slavery. They left him for dead. And he went through all types of craziness in Egypt. He was lied on. He was put in a dungeon, and then all, out of all of the mess that he went through, he became the governor of Egypt. And when he finally saw his brothers again, he was, the brothers were scared because they needed Joseph at that time. And they were scared that Joseph would have been ready to kill him for what they had done to their little brother. And this is what Joseph said. 
don't you see? You planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. As you see all around you right now, life for many people. God meant it for good. See, whatever you go through where you can have ingratitude, whatever you're suffering through, whatever you're experiencing pain in the midst of, there's a plan that God has. Romans 8.28 says, all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. All things. God uses all things. Nothing gets wasted. Your tears aren't wasted. Your sadness isn't wasted. Your pain is not wasted. Your suffering is not wasted. He uses all of that and he brings good out of it. Why? Because God is good. And that's all he knows how to do is good. So when we're in a tough situation, it just seems like, man, ingratitude is the right way to go. And God is like, wait, I'm not done. I'm not done. So around midnight, Paul and Silas, imprisoned for doing good, for minding their own business, Paul and Silas start singing and praying. Why? Because Paul's been through this before. He's been stoned before. He's, he can look back on his past and he can say, I believe in the goodness of God. So there's something about when you look back and you redefine your past with God's perspective. Yeah, I went through something hard, but let me look at what God was doing in the midst of that good, hard thing. Let me look at what God was doing. Let me ask God, God, what's your perspective? What am I missing? What am I not seeing? What were you doing when I was going through that difficult situation? And then you get a redefinition. Your perspective gets shifted. Your past doesn't change. How you look at it does. How you look at it does. So Paul carries those hard issues from his past when he was stoned and left for dead. He carries that into his present moment and he says, I'm going to praise God even though I'm in prison. I'm going to pray. And Paul was not praying. Paul and Silas were not praying to be freed. How do I know? Because when the miracle came, they didn't leave. They didn't leave the jail. When the chains came off, they didn't leave. They weren't praying to be freed. They were rejoicing in God. They were rejoicing in what God was doing. That's that's my holy speculation. Okay? Don't check the commentators on that one. But that's what I see in this. It would make sense. It would make sense if I'm trying to get out of a situation and the door opens, bye, but he stayed put. And gratitude, uh, gratitude rather, grabs attention. The prisoners were listening. They didn't leave either. Grabs attention. 
the people around you know you're going through something. How do you sound? Hey, it's just us talking. Don't get like that. It's just us talking, right? How does, how does it sound when you're going through something tough? Is it complaint? Or is it praise? Hey, no judgment. No judgment, just reality. Look, I complain too. Ask my wife. I complain. It gets hard sometimes. You're like, man, this stinks. And then there's something, there's something though about gratitude when you start practicing it. You complain less. Look, I'm not trying to say that you need to be Jesus by tonight. Because <laughs> that clearly is not going to happen, right? <laughs> However, we can make some steps. Maybe, maybe change a few things, right? All right. I'm getting ready to get finished here. The last thing that I want to share with you is that uh, gratitude releases power. And the reason why gratitude releases power is because gratitude is a response in obedience to God. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul wrote that. Where did he get it from? He got it from the Old Testament, which is riddled with this command statement. It is a command. It is imperative. Where God says through many different people in the scriptures, give thanks. Give thanks. He says it over and over again. First Chronicles 16:34, First Chronicles 16:9. He says it in Psalm 136. He says it all over the place. Give thanks. And then Paul adds to this, for this is God's will in, for you in Christ Jesus. Why is it God's will for you? Because there's power in obeying God. There's power in that obedience of shifting focus from what's not happening to what God is doing. See, everything God is doing is good. And sometimes we just need to take our eyes off of what's not happening and put it on the goodness of God, which is always going on. He's always got it going on. Let's go to the next. Here's the verse I want you to let sink in you. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Here it is. God speaking. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because when God gives a word, when God says a word, when God gives a command, he has a purpose for why he said it. It's going to do something. So Jesus says, love your enemies. That's going to do something when you do it. We don't know what it's going to do, but it's going to do something. The word always does something. It's 
active. It's alive. And when we obey God's word, we release his power. It's like planting a seed. When the seed goes in the ground, it's activated. Once the seed gets in the ground, it's activated. A couple days, maybe a week or so later, there's a sprout. That seed, while it's above ground, is asleep. Nothing's going on. But once it gets buried in the ground, it's activated. That's the same thing with the word. Once it goes in and you say yes, and you agree with that word, and you obey that word, and you act upon that word, it produces something. Something is going to grow when you obey the word. So when you are obedient to God's word and gratitude, there's something that's going to come out of it. It's not for nothing. You're not saying thank you to the Lord for no reason. It's got power in it. And I don't know about you, but I want God's power to flow through me. I want something to come out of me. I don't want to just live this life without having anything to show for it. I want something of God to be released through this life. And that only happens when I obey. When I say yes. It's easy to say yes. It's easy to say yes when you've given up yourself. When you've said, you know what? I know this situation stinks, but I'm going to praise God anyway because I know it's powerful. And there's, there are people that will experience the power of God because of what I've gone through. It's not going to be wasted. Your yes, your yes is powerful. God wants to use you. God wants to work with you. God wants to walk alongside of you. And a lot of that begins when we say yes to giving God thanks. We, you know, we did that on Friday. There was a lot of thanksgiving on Friday, remembering what God had done over the course of this year. And God's done a lot in this church. God's done a lot with you. And through your giving of your time and your treasure, God's done a lot. And there was a celebration of that. And we have a lot to be thankful for to see how God is moving in this, in this area of the state, the area of the world. But this is not something that's just for Friday night. Gratitude is something that, that we need to practice every day. And not just over the hamburger. Right? It's good to say thanks for the hamburger. Yeah, hey, thank you for the hamburger. But there's more. There's more than that. So I want to leave you with this. How we go forward. What do we do now? You know, we got to start small. Go to the next. We got to start small. One thing you can do, this is something that I've done. It works for me. I have a gratitude alarm on my phone. I go to my alarms on my phone, and then I label my alarm, thanks living. It's thanks living. Every day at 123 is thanks living for me. Why 123? The reason why 123 is because A, B, C, easy as one, two, three. <laughs> That's why. It's 123 because it's A, B, C. It's easy. 
All I have to do is get a, a reminder. Once the alarm goes off, it says, thanks living. And when I look at it, I'm like, oh, man, all right, Lord, what am I? Give me something. All right, something to be thankful for. Man, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for my wife. I thank you, Lord, for her care. In Jesus' name. Amen. I go about the rest of my day. But I have something in place to remind me. Because guess what? Being grateful sometimes is hard in the middle of the afternoon. Um, choose five things. Choose five things that you can be thankful for and make it a day, daily habit. Write those things down. Just put it in a journal. I don't know if anybody journals, but every once in a while you have a good thought. You know, you might want to journal. If you do use a journal, write it down. Type it into the notes app on your phone. Just boom, there it is. Tell somebody. How about you make a, you make a deal with somebody, say, look, I think I'm going to try this practicing gratitude thing. I think, I think there's some value to it. So hold me accountable. I'm going to talk to you uh, at the end of the week, Friday. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to tell you five things that I, I'm grateful for this week, and you do the same with me. All right? And you hold, people, you hold each other accountable. But you got to start somewhere. Why? Because we want, the, we want God's power to come. We want to see change in our lives. Listen, think about somebody at home. I want you, in, in fact, here it is. Anybody want extra credit? Here we go. <laughs> I want you to think about that hard situation that you're in. I heard the Lord say heavy weights. It's heavy weights in the room. Some folk carrying some stuff. Right? I believe that. If you're carrying a heavy weight, I want you to go to that place where you're carrying that heavy weight, where stuff is difficult. And I want you to ask God, give me your perspective. I want to I redefine this because I know it's hard right now, but I want to redefine it. What do you see, God? What, what is here that I could be grateful for? Because I don't see it, but I know you do. And let me tell you something. Do you remember when you first bought your car? Those of us who have a car or a truck, whatever. You remember when you first bought it? Right? I remember when I first bought, I had a, a Honda Civic. I, bought, I first bought this Civic. I had never seen a Civic on the road. But once I, you know, you know what I mean. Come on, don't do that. I, I had seen them. I had seen them, but I didn't, I didn't really pay attention to them, right? I bought the Honda Civic. I saw Civics everywhere. Yeah, yeah. You see like a thousand Civics on the, I didn't see it before I bought one. It's the same thing with gratitude. Gratitude is recognizing the finger of God on some area in your life. And the moment that you buy it, the moment that you acknowledge it, you start to see God's finger on everything. And gratitude builds a deeper well in you for more gratitude. So if you really, if you're struggling with a person right now, that person on your job, that when they walk into the office, you're like, oh my gosh, help me, Jesus. I do not want to lose my job today. I do not want to lose my job today. That person, that person you need to be grateful for. They are driving you to your knees. 
to pray. Thank God for them. And then you'll see more stuff. God might even tell you a few things about them that he might want you to share with them because you see good. You have something to be grateful for. So, Father, we, uh, this is hard. Invite the worship team. This is hard, Lord. We recognize that uh, we have a deficit in us. We don't want to be like those that you would call wicked. We want to be like you. And God, you're always good, always doing good, always loving, always faithful, always compassionate. It's hard for us to imagine you not being grateful. We need help. We need help on Monday morning. We need help Sunday night. We need help right now. Help us to be more grateful. Holy Spirit, it's you that works in us, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. You're the power and then you're the, the strength of our will. Would you come? Give us everything we need to be grateful. Jesus, would you walk with us in this? We need you. We lay down all the stuff that, uh, that we have been carrying, that heavy stuff. Can you give us your perspective? Because it's been tough to see good in that area. We just want it to go away. But Lord, we know you've got a purpose in everything we experience. You're doing something. We want to see it. Help us. So we thank you right now. We trust you, we believe you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So you may be here and um, you haven't started a real relationship with Christ. Are you hearing about people who've given their lives to him? And maybe you're, you're thinking about Right now, I want to be grateful. I don't have the power. Maybe Jesus can help me. He can. He will. He'll do more than that. If you give him your life, he'll give you a life you've never thought you'd you ever received. He's able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or even imagine. We want to invite you to the altar. You've never received Jesus as your, as your master, your savior, and you want to change. You can come. You're welcome. Or if you want to rededicate your life, you might have been away for a little while, and you said, you know, I don't know about this, 
this following Christ thing and you stepped away, look, there's no shame. We've been there. We've been there. But Jesus is here. And he wants to meet you in your rededication. You can come. And we're going to be here to pray. You're welcome to come and pray. If you're one that's been carrying a heavy load, you've been wrestling, you're not sleeping real well, you got some pain in your upper neck, your upper shoulder area, you've been holding a lot of tightness and a lot of stress in your body, you got some sciatica going on that just started flaring up on your right leg, and you've been, it's really been tough for you because you're carrying some stress. You can come lay that down. We want to pray with you. But the altar is open. As we sing this last song, we invite you to come. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like more encouragement or information about New River Church, check us out at newriverchurch.org.